and you say, Welcome to Slip Angle Show. Welcome to Slip Angle Show. Excellent job. Can you say OGRacing.com? OGRacing.com. 1-800-934-934-9112. Hello. My name is Emma. So when you spell Emma, you spell E-M-M-A. That's certainly how we spell Emma. August today is gift one. This show is recorded at PRI. And yeah, as Emma just told you, this show is presented by OG Racing. Uh, we appreciate their support and... Uh, Give them uh, give them a shout at one eight hundred nine three four nine one one two or check them out at ogracing dot com. Uh, today, uh, you know, nowadays this time of year it is build season, and don't just build your car stickier and uh, faster. And you know, you you want you want to make it safer and stronger also. So check them out for helmets, suits, head and neck restraints, shoes, harnesses, and. An awesome, uh, an awesome staff for technical advice and for help and service with uh, with any of those things. So, ogracing.com, dot com one eight hundred nine three four nine one one two. We uh, we appreciate your support and uh, share the show uh, and uh, like and rate us and review us and iTunes and the other places and def- uh, check them out at ogracing.com, dot com one eight hundred nine three four nine one one two. Welcome to Swap Bangles Show. Ogracing dot com. To Slip Angle Show. I'm Austin Cabot. I'm Adam Jabay, and I'm glad I told you to just hit record before we had a whole conversation. <laughs> We're sitting here. We uh, yeah. we just met up with uh, with our guest and uh, got a little carried away yeah. for a little bit. And we we're like, this is really good stuff. Pretty soon we're going to start talking about uh, P2 cars and uh, not recording half an hour <laughs> of, uh, of things. So, so we, we are still at, uh, at PRI 2017, but we actually came across the street for a little bit of uh, peace and quiet and comfort with some coffee. Yeah. And uh, joining us is uh, returning to the show, actually, uh, Mr. Jeff Braun. What's up, Jeff? Hey, guys. Good to see you. Jeff good Brown to see or Jeff you. Braun? Or is, <laughs> is it Brown? Like, how do you? I've it's, always said Braun. Okay. Is it Brown? Do I say it wrong? You can say it however you want. No, everybody says it wrong. It's because it can be both ways. Right. It's the German <laughs> spelling. So my grandfather was from Germany, and in Germany, our name is pronounced brown, like the color. Okay. Yeah. And no, we're not related to the razor shaver coffee maker guys, unfortunately. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd have my own race team. But um, yeah, so brown is the pro- proper pronunciation. But okay. uh, ah, screw no. that one up already. No, no. <laughs> Dang it! I've heard him. Dang uh, it! Or or your son talk about yeah. how it's both. Yeah. So, it's, <laughs> um, so we were we were just talking about it. you. You were at the first or second PRI show. Yep, um, in Columbus, twenty eight years ago, yeah. something yep. like that. Um, and nobody, I've never heard that it was ever in Columbus. But it was in Columbus. It was in Columbus, yeah. Okay. yeah. How was, big was the early ones? Not very big, yeah. but it was, and it was super hardcore 
it was, you know, I think now they say racing people only, and, yep, yep. and you know, it's not all of I mean, that. How big was the show back then? Because obviously the performance racing industry has grown a lot yeah. over 30 years. I mean, was it like a few like shock manufacturers, a few spring manufacturers, some exhaust guys? Like, Yeah, it was really more almost like a Midwest um, short track, late model, okay. kind of asphalt, dirt kind of show. It had didn't really have much... Uh, I mean, those guys are kind of pro racers, but it didn't have any IndyCar or sports car stuff okay. or very few of that. And now there's a large presence of that, but it's yeah. still a lot of circle track, short track kind of stuff. But, yeah, and there's still you know. those guys. When I was going there, it was um, I was still doing some short track stuff with Alan Kowicki and stuff yeah. like that. So that was a, a big interest. It kind of started there. And then I think they, I don't know the history of it, but anyway, it quickly outgrew Columbus, the convention center or whatever they did, wherever they did it there, and they moved it to Indy, and that's when, and that's when Indianapolis was truly the center of racing. There wasn't much going on in, as far as engineering type stuff uh, in NASCAR, in Charlotte, and Atlanta had some sports car teams, but Indy was everything, so that's yeah. why it came here, and it was small. I mean, you could fit it in half of the main um, convention center really, really? floor there in Columbus. So like, uh, wow, so pretty much like a quarter, a quarter, of the quarter size, if really? not smaller. Yeah, a quarter. Than I would say a quarter. Wow. Yeah. Um, and uh, and we, we, were, we were just talking, you were, you were just talking about how uh, now you kind of grocery shop and you're flying through because there's not much that can relate to you. But, yeah, it's yeah. Yeah, it was kind of weird this morning because I, uh, you know, I'm walking by and I'm seeing cool new data systems or you know some shock guys that have something going on or um, fuel pumps that seem pretty neat and I'm like, oh, I can't use that, can't use that. Yeah. That's homologated. That's illegal. <laughs> That's spec. Uh, so it's interesting, but it's nothing that I can directly directly yeah. use because, like our Orica LMP2 car we're running at Core this year, is, and some people don't realize this. There's rules like you all have rules, weight and heights and wing angles and things like yeah. that that we have to comply with. But then we have to run our car. Our car is homologated and. What that means is it's literally an 80, 90-page document that Orica produces that is, it doesn't have the dimension, so you couldn't really build one, but you could nearly build one with this document. Because it has everything about everything, huh? Exactly. I mean, there's the nose, for instance. It's exploded views of the 20 different parts that make up the nose and okay. what they're shaped like and what they're made out of and what each one of them weighs. Yeah. And shock absorbers here's the shock absorber here's what it looks like here's what the adjusters are here's what's on the inside yeah. here's what it weighs here's six different views of it and huh. so our car has to comply with the homologation yeah which means if i want to change the weight of a small 500 gram part of the of the nose i can't yeah and that better look like they better be able to take that off my car look at it and compare it to the picture in the homologation document. If it's not exactly the same, I'm thrown out. Really? Wow. It's that uh, scrutineered. Wow. To the, to the point where, you know, data sensors, okay, yeah. it's just a sensor that measures the throttle position or it measures the damper shock absorber yeah, yeah. length yeah. or something like that. We have to run the exact brand and part number of the sensor, which doesn't really have any performance, but yeah. uh, we measure the ride height of the car with a laser sensor and it just uh 
shines a laser down on the ground, it reflects back up, and it measures the, the ride height of the car. Yeah. We have to run the exact part that Orica homologated. If if we find For another that. one of, of that <laughs> sensor. <laughs> wow. wow. You know, and there's, I don't know, 10 different companies that make yeah. a sensor like that. Yeah. They're all kind of interchangeable, and one might be cheaper. We might have a relationship with the company that imports them that we can get a better deal or something like that. It doesn't affect the performance. It just measures the height of the car. Yeah. But we have to use that specific sensor. Wow. Jeez. So do, you guys, do you guys stock up on all that stuff, like just in case it gets like backordered and you need to get one and you can't get it? Like what, what happens at that point? There's a good story about that. <laughs> so, yeah. So we ordered our Orica P2 car in August, I guess. And we ordered two. We intend to run one. And the way the... Uh, cost cap rules work for LMP2. You can there's a there's a, a cap that the FIA puts on what they can charge to sell a car, and so every manufacturer has to build it within that cost cap. Okay. So everybody's trying to get the manufacturers are trying to get the most performance under that cap. The parts they can sell, so you take the whole car apart and you can you add up the. The, oh. the parts list, yeah, and it can come up to 140 percent of the cost of a car. Yeah, huh. so, so, so we bought two cars <laughs> rather than a car and a bunch and of spares. Because it's only 60 yeah. percent more money. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Interesting. So we bought. So we'll buy our second car and just take it apart, and there's our spares. And so That's it's crazy. So it's, you know, do we need a spare tub? Nah, probably not. Do we need some of those things that you really wouldn't buy spares of? Probably yeah. not. But in the long run, you get all the spares you need for cheaper than if you just bought the spares. And then, when the whole program's over in three or four years... You have a brand new car still. Well, and you yeah. you put two cars back together with serial numbers, and you can sell two cars rather than one car and a bunch of spares, yep. yeah. which you never would get your the money back. The spares package right? is worth one cent on the dollar. Exactly. Then, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so, where I was going with that is, so we bought our two Oricas. Penske bought four they ordered four at the same time we ordered two. Yeah. I think JDC bought one maybe at the same time and maybe Performance Tech a little bit later. So there was like seven, eight of these things on order in August. So then there's a lot of spares that don't, that you do have to buy like gears and wheels and things mm -hmm. that don't come with a spare car. So we called up to, you know, buy some gears. And suddenly the gear inventory was getting sh really short. We only and, had seven sets of those. So. Right. And, <laughs> and there's this team that bought like eight of everything. And we're like, oh, yeah, we know who that would be. And so we, we better get our order in quickly because there's, they're, everybody's trying to buy spare parts. So, no, the X-Track and everybody else is being fair about it. But there are... Um, like the sensors and stuff like that, you just need to get what you can get. And if there is shortages, uh, like Orica has been really, really good. Uh, you know, if there's if there's six, if some let's let's take uh, noses for instance. If there's orders for twelve of them, yeah. And Penske ordered four, and we ordered one, and JDC ordered one, and somebody else ordered one. 
when the first one comes out, it goes to the first guy. The next one goes to the next guy. Penske gets theirs. And then when you come around again, Penske gets their ah, next so one. So it's like you take one and they get back in the back of the line. Yeah, yeah. instead of Penske ah. getting all four of theirs first, right, everybody yeah. gets one, then everybody gets one again. That makes and sense. And then if, if, if everybody's got what they want and there's... Penske needs three more. They get the next three after that. Yeah. So they're being fair about it. Yeah. So the manufacturers looking out for the series a little bit too. Huh? Exactly, yeah. and they're looking out for their customers yeah, yeah. and not Or- just the biggest customer. No, <laughs> yeah. no, no, no. And Oric has been really great to work with. Those okay. guys have been. Where's Orica based out of? France. That's what I thought. Yeah. 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 And they've the car is we just shook it down uh, a week ago, and then we ran it at Daytona. Two days yeah, ago. Two days ago, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah I saw some of your, uh, <laughs> you and uh, and your son's Instagram posts about it. Yeah, um, it went really good. Um, yeah. Car was fantastic right out of the box. I mean, we uh, we went, car went quick. It was did all the things the drivers wanted it to do. Yeah. Um, it's you know, it's probably there's some. We ran the Porsche GT3 R last year, mm-hmm. which is a it's a really good car, and Porsche knows how to build race cars. And I would say that the shakedown in the first couple of days of running the car from a reliability and performance and how the systems work and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. of the Orica was, I mean, to be fair, it was actually better than the Porsche. I mean, and then they don't build as many Porsche GT3Rs. So if you can reach that standard of a Porsche GT3 car coming mm-hmm. off, an, uh, off their assembly line as a race car, and you can exceed that standard that's saying something especially yeah. with such a small production volume thing our I mean, chassis is chassis 31 and yeah. our second one is chassis 35 so yeah. they're that's how many they built 35 so that how many do you think they'll ever make of something like that Ooh, i don't 50? know 60 yeah maybe maybe so, i can't remember so how many dialed halfway through the maybe the potential interesting yeah what, yeah what uh in that class what are drivetrains like is everything fully completely spec yeah, um, same kind of thing. And and the spec thing, it's a little different than like Indy cars, which are... There's a few different things. But. Yeah, but, but spec would be, you know, spec I think most people think of every car runs the same brakes or the same shocks or mm-hmm. the same gearbox. And it's not really spec racing in P2, which is kind of cool. It's homologated racing. So... Orica choose to deal with X-Track for their gearbox yep. and Brembo for their brakes and PKM for their dampers. Mm-hmm. But Riley might, and I don't know, but they could have chosen to deal with Hewland and AP and Dynamic for their three components. Yeah. So we have PKM dampers. It's a French company. Mm-hmm. They have a relationship, I'm assuming, with Orica, and they're the homologated damper. So I can't go and run a different brand damper on my Orica the same way um, I think the Delara, I know the Delara is homologated with Penske dampers. They can't run anything but Penske dampers. Yeah. So that's the, that's the way the homologation works and what we have to comply with. Okay. Okay. Now, those cars, I've always wondered, um, when you purchase something, you know, like a, like a GT3 car or, or an Orica or something like that, when they ship the cars, do they have a baseline, like, spec alignment on them? You know, obviously, it might shift in transport, but, you know, are they all shipped with, like, the same, or do they just bolt everything on? Hand tight, like, here you go, man. Here Don't you go. forget to tighten it's these bolts okay. before you take yeah. it out. Uh, that's a great question, because 
I've dealt with uh, Lola and Worth and, um, you know, get a Riley DP cars and stuff like that. And it's all that. The answer to that question is it's all different. Okay. So Orica, the way they do it is they build their car. They send us a setup sheet of what's on the car. Every, you know, anti-roll bar, spring rates, bump rubbers, uh, alignment, uh, even down to the brake blinking percentages and everything. That's a setup sheet. Wow. And that comes right how they built it off the floor in France. Then they take it out to, I don't know where they, they have a test track close. They take it out with their Orica test driver, whoever that is, and they actually run the car for some number of laps. Oh, that's got to okay. be the coolest <clears throat> job, man. 10, 20 laps, whatever. Just went through yeah. Jesse, one through 10 today. Yeah. Oh, right. grind. Right. <laughs> I'd love to be able to talk to that guy and, and see if he can discern any, like, major differences. Because, you know, they always say you can design, like, two tube chassis cars. Yep. The exact same. But one is going to be a little bit stronger than the other. You yeah, know, and like I think how that guy doesn't, he's just literally, it could be a... Just making sure nothing falls off. It could off. be a mechanic. I don't know who's who really shakes it down. around to make sure stuff They want to make right. sure that the it yeah. shifts, that the yeah, down yeah. shifts properly, that the traction control works, that all the systems work, okay. that the electronics are, the pit speed limiter works, and the drink bottle works, and the windshield wiper goes around, and, you know, yeah. that kind of stuff. And that he's like the porter at the dealership to make <laughs> just making sure the pre pre delivery guy, yeah. right? Yeah, making sure all the all the plastic wrap is pulled off where off. it needs to. He's yeah. gonna take those cool those cool paper mats out, you know, so right. that doesn't get caught underneath the pedals. <laughs> so they they actually shake it down and then they put it on the in the shipping container and ship it to us. Interesting. Okay, we get it, and in typical race team fashion, we are like. We want to know about the car. So we... So you take it all apart. Pretty much. <laughs> Just like every race, whoever right. buys a new race right. car. We, want, we take it all apart yeah. for two reasons. One, we want to make sure that it's done the way we want it done. And two, it's a great way to learn what we how just it's got. Done. Yeah. And how yeah. you, you know, rather than go to the racetrack the first time, and okay, and I say, change the anti-roll bar. And they're like, I wonder how you do that. You know, yeah. they've done that before. You can't scratch yeah. your head when there's time in the line or a race right. to win. Where, right. Where's the fuel fill out again? I can't. Oh, yeah. Where do we put gas in this thing? <laughs> um, now, with, with homologation racing, um, does does your, uh, your choice of the car come down to, like, uh, oh, we get the best deal, or do you know, oh, they use those shocks, they use this engine, that trans. Is that a part of your decision, or how, how do you decide to buy something like that? Or as a team, how does a, what factors go into that? Yeah, so another really good question. It's, um, it comes down to relationships sometimes. Um, like you could have asked that question for last year when we went GT. GTD racing, yeah, yeah, and and we picked a Porsche for obvious reasons because we run the GTLM Porsche factory effort. Yeah, so yep. that was a no-brainer, easy. We have a relationship there, and we ran a Porsche. Here in this case, there were some a little bit of that. Orica built the LMPC car that we ran for years and years. That was an Orica built chassis. So we had a relationship with them from a parts supply and a technical standpoint and a company standpoint. So we know what they could do yeah. and what they could deliver and all of that. And then all the engines are the same. That's the one thing about LMP2 yeah. racing is everybody runs a Gibson engine, which is the old people are like, what's a Gibson engine? Well, it's Zytec. Zytec used to build 
F1 motors and sports car motors, and this guy, I don't know his name, Gibson is his last name, I don't know his first name, bought Zytec, changed the name, okay. but these guys are serious engine builders that know what the heck they're doing. So it's not like an old Pinto motor. This thing uh, is pretty <laughs> sweet. I mean, it's a 4.2 liter, 90 degree V8, revving to 8,700, making 600 horsepower. Jeez. And it sounds awesome. Yeah, they sound awesome. Right. We actually, the, the day after... Um, Grid Life South, Road yeah. Atlanta um, this year. There were a bunch of teams testing for yeah. Petite. And the day before. Um, yeah, and the, yeah, yeah. the Thursday before. And so I woke up after our event, two awesome sounding cars roaring down yeah. the front straight at Road Atlanta. Testing for Petite. It was some P cars. It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah, that's not a bad way to wake up. Oh my they do God. sound was, good. Yeah. They do sound good. It's absolutely and those, amazing. And, they'll, and then the thing is, you know, they give you this manual for the motor and, you know, and it's detailed the how, how to maintain it, how to fire it up, what temperatures you need, and all that. And then you send it back to them every 50 hours. So it'll run 8,700 at 600 at 600 horsepower mm-hmm. for 50 hours. Wow. wow! And then send it back. And it's not blown up. It's just time to rebuild it. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I mean it's pretty pretty cool. It's not your old Honda engine, Brad Adams. <laughs> so they'll. Uh, so where are we going? Oh, yeah. So everyone's a Gibson engine. Yeah. So then the other things, like you said, shock absorbers, gearbox. The, the other parts. The yeah, other parts. Yeah. And those might not drive your decision completely. For us, it was that we had a relationship with Orica through the LMPC mm-hmm. program. We, they also used the X-Track gearbox, which was on the LMPC. So we have a relationship with uh, X-Track USA. And so we know that box a little bit or similar. And, yeah, and we know the guys and the support people yeah. of X-Track in Indianapolis and all of that. Yeah. And um, so, you know, we also, our other option was O'Reilly. And we know the, you know, Bill Riley real well, and we've run his stuff before, and I have relationship with him. Delara, I've run a lot of Delara Indy cars myself, and the Ferrari 333 that I ran for so many years was built by Delara. Mm-hmm. And those guys are my friends. When I go to Italy, I go to their, you know, go to those guys' houses and visit them. So, yeah. so you know, too many people. It's probably a hard decision. It was. I was a little bit of a hard decision, but yeah. the the Orica thing was well. And then you look at the results. Yeah, and you see how the Orica did last year at in WC and here, and so that's kind of why we went that direction. Okay. It was, but there was nothing singularly that you went, oh, this is for sure yeah, that's the hard, right that's thing to do. That's got to be a, a, a you break it all down in a million pieces, and that's a hard decision sometimes. Probably. Yeah, yeah, it, it, too many options. It's interesting yeah. that it comes down that kind of a decision comes down to probably fifty-one percent personal relationships and what you. Th- what kind of help and support you're going to get more than the actual hardcore engineering of the hardware you're going to buy because what's going to be important isn't how it unloads the very first day it's how you can develop it and understand it and learn it as the season goes on so Mm -hmm. some of the things we look at is the information that the teams that the manufacturer gives us what kind of aero data do they have what kind of suspension geometry data do they have what kind of simulation program can they help us support us with so that we can make the car better and they'll help us learn the car yeah if nowadays it's not enough to have a great race car deliver it done see you later call us if you need a spare don't change the alignment it's perfect right right (laughs) so we get we need them to help us 
make the car better. And, and part of the product that they give is their engineering support to answer our technical cool. questions in the direction we're going. Yeah. yeah. So, and, I mean, they're helping you guys, you know, get faster. Has there ever been a time where you've actually given them feedback on things that, like, you know, maybe they didn't realize and they're, they can put their kind of pride aside a little bit and go, you know what? Like, we didn't really think about that. Yeah, yes, for sure. And that's a... Um, and would a change, like, if they made a change, is that something that would affect all the homologation for all the other cars? It has to. So yeah. if, okay. if, if we go to them and say, hey, we'd really like uh, uh, whatever, a different front upright design, mm -hmm. and they go, oh, that's a good idea, then they have to, if they want to implement that, they have to go to the FIA get a homologation extension it's called mm -hmm. get them to approve it and you can probably only get that stuff approved on safety grounds okay ah, yeah because they don't want the team the manufacturers improving the performance of the car over yeah. the time if the uprights are breaking or if it's then, a fatigue issue or exactly they thought there might be a metallurgy problem or whatever then they could get it approved mm -hmm. and then then every team has to run that and then that becomes the new homologation and okay. every car that shows up to tech better have that now this year it's, and this is a sticky thing, they, they allowed the other, there's four manufacturers in LMP2, Orica, Ligier, um, Delara, and Riley mm -hmm. Multimatic. They allowed three of them to do an update to their cars. Everybody but the Orica got to do an update. Really? Yeah, the Orica was the best car, okay. clearly, and it, the homologation is supposed to be good for, I think it's three years, maybe it's more, but I th I mean, it's at least three years, so you're not supposed to be able to change your car. There is this kind of weird clause where they can allow a, everybody now calls it a joker, but it's no, it's a, it's a update to the car within a certain price, a fairly inexpensive price that okay. you can update your car, but you have to apply to the FIA for permission to do that. The each, other three, each team does, or each manufacturer? Each manufacturer. Okay. okay. So each manufacturer applied, and they were each one of them were granted a chance to update their car, except Orica. And Orica wasn't too happy about that, but, you know, that's just the way yeah. it went. Yeah. So what they've done is all three manufacturers got to do that under the FIA's supervision, and then run those on the cars, check the performance, and the FI will say, no, that's too much. Or, And they have said that the idea is not to allow them to build a car that exceeds the performance of the Orica, but to come closer to the yeah, performance to of the Orica. So the Orica is the baseline, essentially. <clears throat> exactly. Okay. And from Orica's standpoint, it seems a bit unfair because they did a better job than everybody else under the same set of rules yeah. and built a better car. I do understand it a little bit because what happens in racing is it's it's essentially what we saw happen in Daytona prototype there were four or five manufacturers allowed everybody built their car yeah there was a great variety of cars at first and then in three years there was the Crawford and the Riley and then in four years there was only Riley's and it became a spec chassis by default yeah and so they don't want, they want the other Orca. three. Yeah. They don't want everybody. Because right now, yeah. if you were going to buy, at the end of this last 
well, this year, 2017, if you're going to buy a P2 car mm -hmm. based on performance only, you'd look at the results and you'd buy an Orica. And the other three guys would go out of business. And yeah. LMP2 would be all Oricas. And pretty soon there's no LMP2 or it's lame, you know. Or it's, it's yeah. the other manufacturers yeah. don't make money and they can't, they're out of racing and it's not good for the sport as yeah, a yeah, whole. Right. And yeah. so I get it it's it goes along with the whole be balance of performance everybody's got to have a fair chance so it's really looking at big picture even for motorsports in a, even a smaller class like this yeah yeah they want multiple manufacturers so right. i understand yeah. it's it kind of makes sense i guess it's the whole bop thing it's you know one guy said to me well it's socialized <laughs> racing and it it's kind of yeah. in a way it is but i think it's unfortunately it's the reality we have to have Nowadays. Every racing series deals with this in some, in some respect, you know, uh, from club racing to time trials to autocross. You know, it's, you know, you, you can't just have spec this because fast guy runs that and then everybody runs that and nobody runs the other thing. Right. So. And it's, I think GT racing is a great example of that. You know, you look at GTD or GT3, which is what GTD is. How are you going to, if you want a four-door Lexus family sedan to race against a Lamborghini, you're going to have to Good balance that, that somehow. <laughs> you know, if, if you really want that to happen, yeah. which is what happens. Something's not going to be uh, right. Something's modified. not going to be right. And so you're going to have to balance of performance. Yeah. If you want to have GT racing and just let them go crazy, then you'll eventually have, you know, three Aston Martins racing their teammates and yeah. like we had in GT1 when that whole thing went down you know you it just so I get it you have to you have to balance it somehow but from a team standpoint that whole BOP thing is just it can be frustrating a nightmare or you can be really really happy about it one or the other um, and you're usually both of those yeah from week to week yeah you know it's like <laughs> I'm really really happy next week I'm really frustrated yeah. and then I'm maybe really happy and then I'm did really you frustrated did see what that idiot did now right <laughs> can um, that be how, how is that fair yeah. you know he can um, go four more laps on a tank of gas than we can you know it's now when when the FIA approves a change to a homologation uh, whose responsibility is it to make sure that that information gets out? Is it the manufacturer of the chassis contacting the people that have purchased the car? Or is it the team's responsibility? Yep, it's the manufacturer's responsibility. So the manufacturers okay. are tied really in tight with the rules makers. So, for instance, if, if us as a team wanted, I'll give you a very specific example. We wanted to change the way that the air jack system works on our Orica. So you plug in the hose, the car jumps up in the air, you pull out the hose, and the car stays in the air. And then there's a little ring around a valve mm -hmm. that you have to pull with your fingers to let the car down. So it's a safety thing so that if the hose breaks when the car's up it in the air, it doesn't fall on the ground yeah. and all of that. So the way the Orica was built, the, the, the little ring you had to grab was recessed inside, the, inside a... Uh, a pocket in the bodywork so it didn't stick out of the car yeah, so yeah. aerodynamically it was really hard to get your fingers in there they made it real small for aerodynamic reasons but you can't get your fingers in there with a glove on very good and you kind of kind of fumble so all we wanted to do was drill a hole through the ring put a wire on it that stuck out a little bit so you could hook your finger in the wire and pull, pull the it, yeah. pull the little sleeve and let the car down so we asked imsa hey yeah, i mean a lot of 
SCCA racers and racers who don't run homologated cars are going to think this is crazy. I mean, you can't yeah, drill a hole think it's crazy. and put a wire through <laughs> yeah. it so you can pull out. No, you can't because they're going to look at the air jack valve on the homologation document and it's not going to have a hole yeah. with a wire through yeah, it. That, that part's been modified. And we're thrown out. So we have to go to IMSA and say, can we do that? And they said, nope, it's not homologated. Well, how can we get that changed? Talk to Orica. Orica will file, if Orica agrees, they will then file a homologation extension with IMSA. IMSA will approve it, and then all Oricas can have a hole with a ring on yeah. it. But that's how it has to go. All Everything has to go through it's, the manufacturer. So would something like that be homologated down to the hole has to be drilled here, the wire can only be so long? Yeah, fortunately not. Well, so long, yes. That is actually... It can only be so long, and where the hole is, they haven't got that far. Or what diameter the hole has to be, They're fortunately still working not. Down the hole. Okay, right. Yeah. I make that hole as big as possible, man. All that weight savings. Right. Yeah. Right. Them, Put that weight somewhere else. Grams, baby. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's, it's very tightly reined. But actually, that's as frustrating as that can be. Sometimes that's a good thing because, right. yeah. because I don't want somebody with another orica to be doing things to that car that i can't do yeah. right you, you know if they orca. can do it that's fine but i want to be able you to you don't do want to put flares and bigger wheels and all this other stuff yeah, on it. yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I like the other way around i want to be able to do stuff that they can't do yeah. <laughs> but if it's if it's them doing stuff i can't do nah, i don't like that yeah. but so, i'm sure it gives you a little bit of peace of mind that you can be as competitive as possible yeah and, you're nailing the setup and driver game now and yeah. exactly and that's what you that's what I mean, we're all have big enough egos to think that given equal equipment and confidence that it is really, really equal equipment, that we can drive better, strategize better, crew it better, make it more reliable and more efficient than the next guy. And that's really what racing's about. It's, you know, there's other racing series where it's about building a better wing or a better motor or a better exhaust or a better, and that's a different form of racing and I've been involved in that form too and that's really fun because yeah. you're trying to build a better car than the next guy but in our racing it's come down to the details of operating mm-hmm. the car setting the car up efficiency every efficiency has become the big thing yeah. you know can you run an extra lap on a tank of fuel because you're more efficient maybe you're running less less tow just to make less drag to make less load on the motor to make a little bit easier better fuel mileage or you're running a different brake package because you can lift earlier and brake later and save a little fuel on the first side of your stint and if you can get an extra lap out of your car at daytona with a dp car we'll make 34 pit stops at daytona wow we can only go 40 40 minutes minutes on a tank of gas so if you can get an extra lap out of each one of those suddenly you make a one less pit stop than the Pretty soon next guy. Yeah, yeah, that adds there's up. two minutes. Yeah. yeah, wow, interesting. So it comes down to that super super efficiency yeah. of everything. Yeah. And so instead of building a bigger wing that makes more downforce, we're trying to optimize rolling resistance and all the efficiencies mm-hmm. of things. It's the game's still winning. It's just a different 
strict uh, set of parameters that you have to yeah. manipulate. It's got to be really rewarding, too, because it's it's more than just building the car. It's figuring out how everything works overall. So when you can, you know, kind of nail down, hey, we can eke a little out here, a little out there, a little out here. It's got to be really rewarding from, you know, from a team engineer standpoint to see all of that kind of come together and make the difference of winning by a half lap or, you know, yeah, or you're whatever that, it may you're be. You're building that whole system and, and, uh, and you got to nail it perfectly and always perfect it. It's, um, yeah, it's that processes that you have in place and things like that. Pit stop become really important. A second here, a second there, you know. It's just, uh, it's super, it's, it's down to the minute details. Yeah. I did some drag racing, top fuel drag racing, yeah. and, and people, my sports car buddies will say, well, geez, you know, it's like four and a half seconds and it's over and there can't be, you know, you only go in a straight line. You don't have to turn. You don't yeah, have to stop. Don't run those things for 25 hours, 24 right. hours. You just go straight. <laughs> yeah. There's not much you can do, right? We like could do 20, that. 25 seconds for the whole weekend. Yeah, we right. can do that. Right. right. And, and what can you change? You know, what can you do? There's not much you can do. And what happens is because the, the operating envelope has become so narrow, now everything is optimized to the nth degree. You know, you'll look at mm -hmm. um, weight on a top field drag car. Okay, so there's nobody. Uh, no, probably that's probably not true. I've seen some sprint car sprint car guys go crazy, but they the top field guys look at weight tremendously. You know, we do too, but there's other areas that we can spend more time with that's more important. Top field drag racing, they're doing one thing and doing it extremely well, so they're focused on the super minute detail of that. And that's kind of what the current LMP2 sports car racing has hmm. gotten down to. We're, we don't need designers. We don't have to employ designers, but we do have to have electronic people, and we do have to look at efficiencies and coatings and, you know, whatever we can do from um, heat rejection and things like that that are legal within the homologation to optimize okay. everything. So what kind of stuff can you actually do to that car specifically? So Besides we set up and you know. so basic setup, you know, sh springs, bars, uh, alignment, all that kind of stuff. Wing angles are adjustable mm -hmm. okay. uh, within a certain range. At Daytona, IMSA requires that we run within a certain wing angle range because okay. they they still have. Okay, so we run an LMP2 car. We run it in the prototype class. Yeah, within the prototype class. There's another element is the DPI cars, Daytona Prototype Internationals. They are LMP2-based chassis that the manufacturers run. So you have Mazda, which is a Riley LMP2 car, just like ours. Or, I mean, just like a normal Riley LMP2 car with a Gibson engine. They take the Gibson engine out, they put a Mazda in. They put a nose on it to make it have some styling cues of a Mazda, yeah. and they race it against LMP2 cars. The a good example is the Penske Hondas. They're Oricas. Mm -hmm. They start out life just like ours. They take the Gibson engine out. Well, they never deliver it with it, but they drop in a Honda twin turbo Honda and put a nose on it with a little styling cue to kind of make it look like a Honda yeah. and race it. So IMSA tries to balance the DPI car's performance to the normal LMP2, LMP2 yeah. cars. So they have to run restrictors and maybe different, little bit different aerodynamics, maybe a little bit different weight to either help them reach the performance of the Gibson-based cars or 
bring them back from the performance yeah. of a Gibson-based car. So we still have... So IMSA requires us at Daytona to run within a certain wing angle. Yeah. And every car at Daytona... Daytona's the weird one because you have such high speeds and the lap time comes from top speed. Yeah, it's, it's such a different track. And it's very Le Mans-ish. And so you're not... It's the one track where you're not running maximum downforce. Yeah. Even Road America, we're going to run maximum, maximum downforce. downforce. Pretty, pretty much. Yeah. Or close to that. So... So at Daytona, they mandate that, uh, our wing angles and stuff. But normally we can change that, change wing angles, ride heights, very effective on ride heights. Okay. Uh, shock absorbers, we have to run the PKM damper. The uh, Delaris have to run Penske, so everybody has to run their damper. But you can change the internals however you want. Oh, so really? you can, can change. You valve everything. Yep. And you're not yep. stuck with valving a, hey, nope. Yeah. So it just nope. has to be the bodies. It has to be the bodies and the adjusters. If it's a okay. four-way, it has to stay a four-way. If okay. it's a five-way, you can change whatever you want on the inside as long as it comes from the manufacturer. Okay. So I can't bore out my PKM and put Penske internals in it if yeah, I right. wanted to. Now, for the most part, across the, the class, for all of the different chassis, you know, you obviously have different suspension manufacturers. Um, are all of the shocks a four-way or five-way or some four-way, some five-way, some... Uh, I really haven't looked at it in yeah. that detail. I'm going to get... So, because they have to meet the cost cap, mm -hmm. they'll spend money where they think they can get... The manufacturers will spend money where they think they can get the most performance. The, ah. sh the shocks are a good area to spend yeah. money. Good money. Because yeah. it's... It gives the team a lot of tools because, as you just mentioned, there's not a lot of places to play. Yeah. The yeah. shock absorbers we can and the adjusters we can. Yeah, that sounds so, giant. Yeah. Yeah, so they want to give the teams a lot of tools so they'll homologate some pretty high-end damper. So yeah. the PKMs are a five-way adjustable shock. It has two, has a low-speed bump, a low-speed rebound, a high-speed bump, a high-speed rebound, and what's called the blow-off, which is like a pressure relief valve, basically, for... Mm -hmm going over curbs and stuff like that. Um, it's very similar to the D dynamic DSSV, which I believe is homologated on the Riley Multimatic. I'm pretty sure it is. The Penske will be a similar um, uh, four or five-way shock, yeah. probably um, needle valve type low speeds and spring high speeds. It's a shim damper. Um, I don't know what's on the Ligier. PKM, I would guess. I've run Ligier P3 cars, and they have PKM dampers like okay. our Orica. So I'm guessing maybe their P2 car does too. I'm okay. not sure. Pretty, pretty, they'll spend some so they pretty spend, big yeah, money yeah. there. Now, yeah. When they're checking out the, you know, the details and the minutia of the cars, do they actually, do they put like a micrometer on the body thickness? Could you like sand a couple like thousandths off of the body and make it a little thinner maybe a little more slippery yeah like it's you're really, thinking really really like, small details i like you're thinking two pounds here yeah two pounds yeah. yeah yeah or like decals you know, well, i guess now now most of the cars have a full wrap on them but back when you were adding stickers would it be like you choose the thinnest possible vinyl so yeah. it doesn't stick up as far oh i mean when we painted back in the old days when we used to paint race cars that was a big thing um i can I, I'll get back to your tech question, but I'll tell a quick story about painting race cars. When I was at Team Scandia when we were running Indy cars, we had a paint and body shop, and this is 
trying to think when this was, 80, no, 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 95, 6, 7 in that range. And we, at the end of a season, I said, okay, let's strip, I think we had eight or nine Indy cars. So I said, let's strip them down, sand them to the body shops. We had our own body shop that did all the carbon fiber work mm -hmm. and everything. Let's sand all the tubs down, sand this, and get all the paint off of them and start fresh. And so I had the guys weigh the tub, the side pods, the nose, the engine cover and all of that, weigh it. And then they sanded it all down and they weighed it again. And I was in the office and I got a call from the body shop a couple days later and they said, okay, we got your results, come down here. Came down. And I don't remember the numbers right now, but I said, no, you guys weighed this wrong. The car, it did not weigh that much. The paint we stripped off was not that much. And there was a kid who was kind of the body shop cleanup guy. You know, he had a... Uh, clean out all the guns at the end of the day, the paint guns yeah. and the filters and all that kind of stuff. And he was your like intern bodywork guy. And, and he's walking back and forth with his broom or whatever, where me and the head of the body shop are talking about this. And I'm like, it cannot be. And maybe the number was 25 pounds or something Pretty like that. Pretty significant. Yeah. And I'm going, there's no way we do <laughs> not put 25 pounds of paint on this, on these cars. And this kid walks by and he's got two one gallon cans of paint. He goes, these things are damn heavy. You lift one of these, and all of it goes on the car. I'm like, yeah, I oh, guess wait. he's right. It yeah. doesn't go on the floor. It does go on the car, and, yeah. and it's, it it's doesn't get heavy. lighter between the gun and the car. Yeah. And sure enough, I mean, and that's why we wrap cars nowadays, because it's just, well, it's one of the reasons. The other reason is you can repair Ooh, it and fix it yeah. and change it you much faster. It it's a lot fast. easier to change race to race if you have to. Right, and yeah. repair. You can repair it at the track. Right, yeah. right. And if you get that new sponsor, whoosh, you yeah. can do that right away, yeah. too. And the decals aren't raised up. That concludes part one of our time with Jeff Braun. Make sure you tune in to part two in the next episode.